0: Welcome to the Black Appalachian Coalition's podcast entitled, Black Remembering. where we will bring to you the heavy and the hope across the Ohio River Valley. We want to remember who we are, where we've come from. We want to speak to the oral history of what we've done, what we've achieved. We want to speak to the ills that we have experienced while also finding solutions to those problems, those issues. We want to deal with the narrative that has kept us deeply rooted in despair. Now we want to punch through that narrative and stand up and say, we are remembering our black past and we are rooted and we are here to stay. Welcome to Black Remembering. We hope that you find your place, your space, and your voice in this podcast.
1: Thank you for joining the Black Appalachian Coalition Remembering Podcast. My name is Melanie Mead out of Clareton, Pennsylvania, and we have two wonderful representatives from Fair Shake Legal Services. I also want to remind you to please attend our second annual. Virtual Black Policy Summit that will occur July 21st and 22nd. Please register now at the Black Appalachian org site or by sending an email to request a flyer and link to Marcia, M A R C I A, at Black Appalachian org. We hope to see you there. Thank you all. Thank you all. I first want you to, um, Introduce yourselves. Tell me your name, where you're from, uh, and
2: what role you play in life and in your communities. Uh, my name is Sean. Um, Seanta, but I go by Sean. I, I am originally from Pittsburgh, but I live in Beaver County, PA, which is about 25 minutes north of Pittsburgh and a lot different than Pittsburgh. I am a mother of three. I am the Community Democracy Coordinator. It is an extremely fun role. Um, Fair Shake is an amazing organization um, that provides a lot of support and resources to environmentally just communities. Um, Specifically in my role, um, I get to go out and engage with individuals like you, um, um, partners, different organizations um, that are looking to just work together to bring programs for individuals in these communities so that they're hopeful and they can be a part of their decision-making. Um, one of the, our programs is our Community Ambassador Program. Um, and other, a lot of other things that we do, um, we come up with very creative things and work with different partners to figure out what the community wants and how can we support them and bring in bringing it to action. So thank you. Thank you for that. Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Sure. Uh, so lovely to be here. So, uh, my name is Megan Niebler, and I am our Community Democracy Program Manager with Fair Shake. I am originally from the Philadelphia area, from Allentown, um, but have lived in Pittsburgh for about 10 years, um, as well as lived out in the state of Washington for about seven years. And once I had my two kids, Pittsburgh just kind of reeled me back in like it does for so many of us. So I live in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Now I have two kids. I have a very elderly dog as well. And... My role here is to both help support um, Sean and the work that she's doing directly in communities, as well as be providing kind of technical assistance and coaching to communities and groups across the Ohio River Valley um, in Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia so that they can really turn their ideas into action.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I know that the work that I've done here in Clareton with air quality Issues and the at the U.S. uh, Claritin Coke Works, I wouldn't have been able to do it without understanding from the legal perspective. And I know that a lot of citizens aren't as fortunate as me that where they have the time to dedicate to attend meetings, attend uh, listening sessions, and learn a lot more. Uh, What would you say that Fair Shake has done? for communities like ours to encourage our community members who aren't taking a lot of action right now in what's going on with um, the poor air quality as well as the poor policies that allow this to continue.
3: It's such a great question, uh, Melanie, and you're not alone. So Sean and I are both newish to this world of environmental justice. We've both done work In different areas of justice, Sean coming from mental health, myself coming from reproductive health fields. And coming into these roles, I think for both of us, we're still trying to figure out how does somebody do this, right? How do you know what meetings to go, what websites to find permits at, what you're even looking at when you're reading permits? What is your, what is your, what is a zoning code, right? And so, through our community democracy work, one of our goals is to help people understand how are decisions made about the things that you care about? What are your natural strengths that you can be part of those decisions and not just be part of those decisions, but like figure out levers that you can pull so that these things don't happen again in the future? Because it is challenging to work through these systems um, and it's really frustrating, but it it doesn't have to be that way. And there are things and solutions that communities can do to change what's happening around them. Mm-hmm.
2: And also, just to piggyback, one of the things you did mention, you said that uh, a lot of individuals don't have the time to dedicate to attending meetings, and they a, a lot don't have the time, and a lot don't know when the meetings are, and um, what the... Culture of the meetings. Um, So that is one of the things that in our community ambassador programs, we kind of like work with individuals in educating them on how their local government runs. Um, So when our meetings, how their local government is structured um, and also You mentioned they don't have the time. Time is very valuable. Um, Things are expensive. So we do compensate um, with a stipend to help support if you need child care to be a community ambassador and attend our meetings. um, And you're passionate about your community. And we think about like all those things that would prevent us from going to be involved in our community? How can we alleviate some of that to be supportive so that um, individuals can be, um, uh, have a voice in their community?
1: I think that's one of the wonderful things about what Fair Shake does Mm -hmm. because a lot of the community feel as if they should know and and, and many people don't know. And it's, it's not just uh, economic, um, lack of uh, reason why that's the lack of knowledge. It's also just a contributing factor. That's how the government and the system was made that not everyone could reach in excess and pull levers. So that's why I think the work that you all do is so vital and um, refreshing for a community um, that is uh, being taken advantage of by industry and sometimes overlooked by policymakers. So I am excited. Um, I I think that one of the things that you mentioned about policy not being so clear and the people not having the time, the ambassador program would allow for families to do that. And as you mentioned, how would they know? And in a case like ours in Clareton, I don't have a library. I can post a flyer, but I would have to get permission from the director. Our library is actually privately funded by the USX. Claritin Cook works. So there's a lot of politicization about and power that Mm -hmm. takes on. So we don't have a local space to talk about environmental justice. And we live in an environmental justice community. Mm -hmm. Our children aren't learning about actions that they can take early on. Mm -hmm. with their voices and how to empower and use them in the right way. And that's why I feel like uh, our upcoming policy summit is important. It will get the community out. And I also feel that it's important for them to know that they are being put in situations where it is uh, a, a, a disadvantage. It makes it more difficult to attend meetings and take action. And what you all provide is an easier access to take steps. And I think that will encourage people to participate. Those stipends can alleviate some stress and also provide comfort because you know where your child is and you know that they're safe and you can focus and attend to the information properly. What would you say to community members who are just starting out uh, and why the legal process. Why a legal a nonprofit legal organization needs to exist in a time like right now?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So, Fair Shake, we're an environmental law and justice nonprofit. Our mission and our values is really that everyone, uh, you know, should have access to the tools of change and be part of decisions about their air and the water and the places where they live, work, and play. Sean and I both work very closely with our legal team so we have a number of environmental attorneys who provide pro bono and sliding fee scale environmental legal representation. This is so critical because we know that so many people who are most harmed by the decisions that have been made about their air and water and decisions don't have the money to go and afford an attorney who is like hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of dollars per hour And so that is really why Fair Shake came to be, is how can we make sure that everybody has access to that uh, environmental attorney if and when they need one? So our attorneys do incredible work from everything from, you know, drinking water contamination to air pollution issues, to lead poisoning from rental units, to, you know, new industries being proposed in your neighborhoods. And they can, they will do that work. They will continue to do that work. And as Sean often says, like they're the emergency room doctors, right? You don't go to the ER unless you are like hurt and you need to go to the ER, and that's kind of like our attorneys too. And so from there, we wanted to, as an organization, be able to to be that preventative medicine doctor as well. And so that grew our community democracy program that Sean and I get to work on. Right? How can we help communities be healthy from the beginning so that they don't need to go to the ER in the future? And so what we get to do through our community democracy work is to find those, you know, those proactive levers, whether it be just building community and getting that community gathering space, like you were mentioning earlier, Melanie, to finding, you know, and and advocating for new nuisance ordinances, so that there's less dust and soot falling on your cars and your jungle gyms. Or maybe it's community benefit agreements and advocating for those like in some of our communities. Um, Maybe it's, learning about zoning and what your current zoning means and what are other communities doing in their zoning that helps them stay healthy. And like what Sean was saying earlier, right? Just coming together and having space for people to share ideas and learn from each other. That's kind of how we see our role as being able to support communities if they're already being harmed or if they have ideas about what they want for their future. And then we're there to kind of walk alongside them as they work closer to those goals. Um, We don't, as an organization, have an agenda or take a stance on environmental issues because we don't live in these various communities. We don't know the best solutions that's going to work for uh, Clarendon versus Beaver County versus Parkersburg, West Virginia. But what we can do is provide the resources and the support and the connections so that communities can figure out those levers for themselves.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for that, because I think that it also this this is will encourage people to attend our second annual virtual black uh, policy summit, because I think that once people realize their their presence can change actions and and as well realize also they don't have to do it alone. There are some things that others can do and they are good at. So use your your skill and we'll meet you where you are. That's what I hear you all saying, and that's why I'm so excited about the role you all play with us at the Black Appalachian Coalition, and as well the role you will uh, play with the Policy Summit in helping them to understand how their stories can impact policy, but it is a consistent and a motivated action. So, um, Sean, did you want to share anything more, or would you want to talk about Beaver? I know that recently they announced that there's going to be an electric arc by USX uh still in beaver and what are your thoughts on that since the USX Clareton coke works refused to change their current industry to an electric arc when it comes to the legal process and and how that goes
2: as a community member as a as an individual who lives in beaver county um i'm not hopeless because i know we have great partners and programs and so many things out there and i learned about justice 40 last year attending the um black appalachian policy summit i feel like there's always someone making a decision about beaver county who don't who doesn't live breathe work in beaver county and that impacts us that impacts me that impacts how i feel that impacts how i live that impacts my health These things don't make me happy, but I also know that I do have a voice. Other community members have a voice and we can come together and amplify our voices together um, to make sure it's heard. And um, if we can't say no, just figure out how we can be uh, great neighbors, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense.
1: That makes perfect sense for me, Sean. Did you need to say something, Megan? Did you want to add something?
3: Yeah, just to uh, add on to what Sean was saying, we've got some of our attorney um, interns right now that are looking at what are all the stamps of approval that this facility will need? And what are those different points for public participation so that, as Sean was saying, we can support everyone in the community to use their voice and to understand from the local approvals to the state DEP approvals to potentially maybe federal opportunities so that they don't have to do that that legwork on the back end of understanding these systems because I don't understand <laughs> they're they're really hard to understand um, but hopefully can we can help kind of lay that um, the, the puzzle pieces out for folks to make it easier
1: thank you so much. And I think that so many in our community can relate. And that's what will, that's what actually positioned me to action. I returned and I saw that there was little information about what was going on and not many community voices were active. And I wondered why and come to find out there wasn't a space available. And and up to this point since 2013, there hasn't been any active elected officials making space available Mm. and that's what I think is the the greatest importance of these policy summits that we're having with the Black Appalachian Coalition and having you all participate because not only do you have the legal expertise from your lawyers you also have the community member who is on the front line who can say I know what it feels like and others can relate so it's not as if we're saying I'm someone who has all of the time and leisure in the world. So come follow me. We're actually saying, I know what it's like to decide which meeting is most important Mm -hmm. to code to and why. And also finding a friend to say, hey, you attend this meeting. I'll attend this. We take notes and share and swap. And I think that's another thing with learning about Justice40. I learned so much from our policy summit and those uh speakers and participants. It just helps us to come together collectively and see our work can be better and stronger together always. And I'm, I'm really thankful to you all for remembering with me. I don't believe there are any other questions that I need to ask. We just want to encourage everyone to please uh, sign up, register, and participate in the Black Policy uh, Summit upcoming uh, July 21st and 22nd and take a look at our website uh, to learn more about the organizations and speakers that we will have. Thank you all again so much.